welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Uh, Today we're going to talk about just like Jesus. Everybody say just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Last week we talked a little bit, uh, not a little bit, we talked a lot about um, the, the story with the religious lawyer that came to Jesus and he said, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal salvation? And Jesus asked the guy, said, well, what do you think you got to do? And he said, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And last week, we talked about what that looks like, what it looks like to love the Lord your God with everything that you have inside of you, with every ounce of your being, with every fiber in who you are. And we talked about how when you began to love God uh, with everything that you were, then you could begin to really love your neighbor as you loved yourself because it was only through loving God that you learned to properly love yourself. And when you properly love yourself, then you begin to love your neighbor. So that's what we talked about last week. And, and then uh, we're gonna pick up today in John chapter 13 and um, starting in verse, we're gonna start at the end of the story and then go backwards and discover what Jesus is talking about. So in John chapter 13, and I think it's in verse 34, it says this, says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus talking. And he says, love each other. And then it's a period. Love each other. Then he says, as I have loved you, you should love each other. And I was thinking about this actually during worship. I had this thought come to me that uh, most of us don't really understand love. We have a wrong understanding of what love really is. In the Greek, there's, there's three or four different kinds of love that are talked about. And the English language doesn't do a really good job of translating Greek words to English words. We have the word love, and love means love. And you can say, I love you, man, to like a person you just met and you had a great conversation with them. You, I, I love this guy. I love this guy. And you can walk away and never see that person again. And then you can use that same word. You mean, I love my family. I love my brother. There's my brother back there. I love that guy. He's awesome. He's got way better hair than I have. Right, Mike? And I love that guy. He's my brother. I love him. And then I have my wife who I love. And that's a different kind of love than I love my brother with. And I have my kids. And that's a different kind of love that I love my wife with. I love my kids. And there's all of you here. And I love you. And that's a different kind of love. But the English translation is we have one word for all those different kinds of love. But in the Greek and in the New Testament, there is different kinds of love that are being talked about. And I think what has happened as we've moved through history is we have misidentified what love really looks like. There's a kind of love that is based on emotions and based on feelings and based on what you can do for me and how you make me feel. It's a very sensual love, as in pertaining to the five senses and how I feel, how you make me feel, how you make me think about myself. And a lot of us have said, hmm, that must be what love is. But when you read the New Testament, that kind of love, that Greek word is never used in the New Testament. The kind of love that's talked about in the New Testament is this word right here. When Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. 
And that word, that, that, that word right there is actually the Greek word agapao. And I had to look it up because I thought it was agapeo, but it's not. It's agapao. But it comes from the Greek word agape. And this word here is the verb, the action part of the word agape. And if you know anything about Greek, if you know any Greek words in the New Testament, the Greek word agape, when it's talking about love, is an unconditional love. A love that isn't based on emotions and feelings. A love that's not based on what you do for me or what you don't do for me. It's a love based more on um, decision that I choose to love regardless of circumstances. So on my good days, I choose to agape you. On my bad days, when you've hurt my heart in so many ways that I can't even begin to tell you about, I still choose to love you unconditionally. It's the same word that when Jesus, when God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for us, it's the same kind of love. It's unconditional love. And man, I'll tell you what, we really have lost that understanding of what unconditional love is. Something has happened as humanity has progressed and we think so much about ourselves now as opposed to thinking outward. When Jesus went to the cross, he didn't want to go to the cross, right? Where was he at? He was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, saying, I really don't want to do this. If there's any way that you can get me out of it, get me out of it. But nevertheless, I'll do what you want because of love. That is unconditional love. And so this word here, when Jesus says, a new commandment I'm giving to you. And by the way, when Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment, this is a big deal. Like he's, he's saying, I'm giving you a new law to follow. These guys had the Old Testament. You know, they had the scrolls that they would read and that was their law. That's where they got life from. That's where they figured out who they were supposed to be and what they were supposed to do. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. That's a big deal. And he says, here's the commandment. Love one another. Three simple words. And then he goes on a little bit more to explain. He says, here's how I want you to love one another. Not like you choose to love them. I want you to love them as I have loved you. Oh, it's a really interesting statement. I want you to love people, Jesus says, the same way that I have loved you. Now to understand what he's talking about, we've got to back it up to the beginning of chapter 13. And we're going to read this story and figure out what Jesus is referring to when he says, love them like I've loved you. So let's go to chapter 13, verse 1. It says, for the Passover. Now we're going to read this chapter. So we're going to read a lot of a lot of verses today. So everybody's eyeballs are gonna get a workout, either looking at your phone or your Bible or looking at the screen, but we're gonna do some reading. Is that okay? Because it's good to read the Bible. You need to read your Bible. Like every day. Oh, there was less amens on that. <laughs> Let me say this again for your benefit. You need to read your Bible. Mm-hmm. 
You need to get that word of God deep down inside of you so that when you encounter situations and storms and problems and misunderstandings, you've got something inside of you to fall back on other than your own emotions. Because I'll tell you this right here, right now. Your emotions and your feelings lie. They don't tell you the truth all the time. And you do not want to base your life off of lying feelings and emotions. You want to base them off of something that is a strong foundation. So I encourage you again, crack that Bible open. Go home, open your phone up, do, read however you read, but get the word of God inside of you. So Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end. Verse two says, it was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he would return to God. Verse four says this, so he got up from the table, took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist poured water into a basin, then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he was wearing around him. This is what the servant would do. In, in this time, in this day and age, this was something that when you entered the house, the servant of the house would come and wash your feet because they wore sandals and they didn't have paved roads back then. So they would walk around, get dust all over them. And as they entered the house, it was the servant's job to get down on the hands and knees and clean their feet off so they could walk around and not have that grit all over their feet and get it all over the house and, you know, you know, have nice clean feet. So Jesus gets up, puts water in the basin, begins to wash his disciples' feet. Verse six says this. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, good old Simon Peter, Peter says to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Like it's a pretty rhetorical question. I think you could see what Jesus was doing, but Peter again has to ask it. And Jesus says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And then Peter pipes up and says, you're never gonna wash my feet. And I love the new living here. It says, you will never, ever wash my feet. Never, ever, Jesus, will you wash my feet. Why was he so adamant about this? Because it was the role of a servant. And, G and Peter was saying to Jesus, you're not a servant. That's not your job. That's not your role. And I won't let you degrade yourself and serve me in that manner. My feet smell. Who knows what I stood in? You don't know what I stepped in today earlier, Jesus. And I did not wipe it off in the grass. Jesus replies, he says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And before we go to the next verse, can we just all agree how much we love Peter's like pattern of thought? Jesus says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Peter says, well, verse nine, he says this, great. Then wash my hands and my head as well, not just my feet. He goes from saying, you will never, ever wash my feet to give me a bath, Jesus. And that's a big swing on the pendulum back and forth. But he says, wash me all, not just my feet. Verse 10, Jesus replies, a person who has taken a bath uh, does not need to wash except for your feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. That's very interesting. He's talking about washing their feet, 
Then, then Peter says, well, give me a bath. Jesus says, I'm not talking about earthly cleanliness. I'm not talking about how you smell. He says, you're already clean. You don't need a bath. He said, you disciples are clean. Then he says, but not all of you are clean. Let's keep going. Verse 11. Jesus knew who would betray him. And that's what he meant. That's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus knew who would betray him. And that's why he said, not everybody at this table is clean. Let's keep reading a little bit more. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again, sat down and he said, do you guys understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that's what I am. Now this is interesting. You need to pay attention to this part. Jesus says, you call me teacher, you call me Lord. A few chapters earlier, Jesus just had a conversation and, and he was talking to Peter and he says, who do the people say that I am? And then he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. And so here Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. That's exactly who I am. I am the Messiah. I am a teacher and I am Lord. And then he goes on and says this in verse 14. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Verse 15. And so I have given you example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Next verse. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. 18, I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this fulfills the scriptures that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. And I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens to you, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the father who sent me. One more verse. Now Jesus was deeply troubled and he explained, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me. Now let's hang on a second here. We started at the end of this chapter where Jesus said, love one another. And then he says, let me explain it a little farther. He says, when I say love one another, when I say agapow one another, agapow, it's the action word. He said, when I say that, this is what I mean. I want you to love others the same way I have loved you. Now, immediately when we think of how Jesus loved us, most of us probably immediately think of John 3, 16, that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to the cross for us. And if you think a little bit farther and a little bit deeper, you can say, well, Jesus, how did Jesus love us? Jesus, we read all the time in the New Testament that Jesus was continually having compassion on people. He was continually seeing people who were afflicted, who were sick, who were hurt, who were dead. And the Bible would say over and over again that Jesus had compassion on those people and he would work in their lives and bring healing and life and set people free. You could say, well, that's how Jesus wants us to love. And that's true. And that's right. But in this example that we're reading about right here, right now, when Jesus said, love one another like I've loved you, what he's done so far is he got down and did a job that nobody likes to do. And he sat down and washed his disciples' feet. And he said, give me the stinky part. 
Give me those feet that have the toe jam stuck up in there. When you've been walking around wearing those socks for three weeks and your feet smell terrible, give me those feet and let me wash them. And he got down. That's why Peter was saying, no, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said, do you understand what I've done? I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am God. And I'm returning and going back to God. But even if I am God, he goes on and begins to explain, even if I am God, I am uh, uh, humble enough that I can come and serve you. Because a servant is no greater than the master and the master is no greater than the servant. We're here to serve each other. And so Jesus said, I'm giving you an example. If I can get down and wash feet, you can get down and wash feet. And so as Jesus is telling them this, he gets really emotional, he gets worked up. And this verse says he was deeply troubled. And in my mind, they're all sitting around the table and Jesus just is having like an emotional moment. And I love, you know, when it says there's words like exclaimed, he exclaimed. In my mind, Jesus just like blurts it out. He's like, just can't hold it together anymore. He's like, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. One of you is going to betray me. Do we have John chapter six? Is that the next, next verse we have? In John chapter 6, Jesus is talking. And Jesus says, some of you don't believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him from the beginning. Go to verse 70 in John chapter 6. Then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you, but one is a devil. 71 says this. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12, who would later betray him. Why, why am I reading this to you? Because in just a few short minutes, Jesus then says, love one another as I've loved you. And we just read verses where Jesus knew all along that Judas was going to betray him. Think about that for a second. Jesus knew in those three years, as he walked the earth, as he chose the disciples, he knew all along that Judas was going to be the one that betrayed him. And can you find anywhere in the Gospels the account of Jesus walking around with the disciples. Can you find anywhere in those stories where Judas was always off by himself because Jesus didn't like him or Jesus hurt his feelings or Jesus treated him bad? Do you remember that story? When Jesus said, Judas, go away, I don't like you. And then Judas said, why don't you like me? Jesus said, because I know you're gonna betray me and I'm having a hard time loving you. And I can't, I just, every time I look at you, Judas, I just know what's coming down the road. No, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. And it's not in the Bible because Jesus, in the very face of the one who was betraying him, who he knew all along was going to betray him, chose to agapow, walk in love towards the one who was going to turn him in. 
So when Jesus said, love others like I've loved you, he's telling us one of the things that you gotta do is when it hurts, when somebody's hurt you, when they've wronged you, when they've hurt you, when they've said bad things to you, when you've had all kinds of terrible things happen in your life, you've got to choose to unconditionally walk in love. I said last week, and I'll say it again, we don't get a choice in who we don't love. You get to love everybody. You get to. You get to. You get to. You get to walk in love. You get to be nice to people. You get to love them because God loved them. You don't not get to. You don't have a choice in the matter, really. Ooh, that's exciting, isn't it? See, Jesus knew all along that Judas was going to betray him. And you can't find anywhere in the Gospels where Jesus treated Judas differently. You can't find, even in this very story, where Jesus washed everybody's feet but Judas's. You can't find that in there because Jesus didn't exclude Judas. And in fact, we know that Judas was the one who walked around and handled all the money for Jesus. Man, what kind of love does that take? What kind of unconditional love does it take to continue to keep your heart open to someone knowing that they're gonna hurt you, knowing that they're gonna betray you? That's what God said. That's what Jesus said. You need to love people like I have, and this is how I've loved people. I've raised the sick I've raised the dead. I've fed them. I've had compassion on them. I have walked around with a man who was going to betray me for three years and I've shown him nothing but love. I've served everybody. I've served you. And Jesus says, this is how you're supposed to love other people. We've turned love. See, see that love, that love is all going out from us. It's not pointing towards you. It's not thinking about you. It's thinking about everybody else. But for some reason, somewhere along the line, it's probably Disney's fault and all the wonderful fairy tale movies they made. We have turned love into something that is all about us. The love you receive is a byproduct of the love that you give. And it's not the point. Love one another like I've loved you. It goes on here. It says in verse, we were at verse 21, starting at verse 22. Everybody's sitting around the table. The disciples are all having dinner together. Disciples looked at each other in verse 22, wondering whom he could mean. And the disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. We all know that's John. John wrote this book and he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's very modest, very humble about it. Doesn't want to say his name. And uh, Jesus was sitting next to, G- to John. They were sitting beside each other. Verse 24. Simon Peter motions to him and says, gives him like the nod. 
you know? We've all been at dinners where somebody says something and we're like, what? What What was just said? And then then you're across the table and you don't want to draw attention to yourself and you don't want to make somebody feel weird. And so you're like, to the person beside, you're like, The guy's like, what? What? Ask him. <laughs> what? I can't, I can't understand you. Peter's like, looking at John, he's like, Jesus. <laughs> What's he talking about? You know when you're trying to mouth words to someone, you get really expressive so they can read your lips? And then it gets worse. The person's like, I have no idea what you're saying. So Peter gets John's attention. He says, John, ask, ask Jesus who he's talking about. Ask Jesus, am I the one? Ask Jesus who he's talking about. Because <laughs> uh, Have you ever been in those scenarios where somebody walks into a room and something is broken? They say, one of you in this room has broken this. And all of a sudden you're like, what, what? And you know it wasn't you, but you feel like, I feel like this person thinks it was me. It wasn't me, I didn't break it. And you want to know who broke it. And so they're all sitting at dinner, they're having this weird social interaction where Jesus just says, somebody here is going to betray me. And they're like, what, what, what? Looking around, who's the betrayer? And then Peter's like, John, ask Jesus who he's talking about. This is what's happening. Now it's not an out loud conversation. This isn't a conversation the whole table is partaking in. It was Peter across the room, motions to John, and John is leaning on Jesus, it says, and then John looks to Jesus and he says this. Who is it? Verse 26, Jesus responds to him and says, it's the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. When he dipped it, he gave it to Judas. Verse 27 says, when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus told him, hurry up and do what you're going to do. Hurry up and go. Nobody else at the table knew what Jesus meant. Because even in those last moments with Judas and Jesus at the table, Jesus still did not feel the need to let everybody know the sins that Judas was committing. Jesus didn't feel the need to get revenge Everybody, it's Judas. He's going to betray me. I want everybody to know at this table. Because wouldn't, wouldn't that feel so good on our flesh? I just want everybody here to know what a bad person Judas is. I've been so nice to Judas for three years. I've done nothing but feed him. I've gone on ministry trips with him. I let him take care of the money. He goes and buys stuff and look how he betrays me. Let's all feel bad for me and let's all look at Judas right now and cross our arms. You're a bad man, Judas. The Bible says that nobody knew what was happening. And when Jesus said, what you're going to do, go do now. They thought he was talking about paying for the dinner, the Bible says, or going to give some money away to something because nobody knew what Jesus was doing. Verse 30. Do we have verse 30? 
Judas gets up and leaves, going out into the night. And then we find ourselves, Jesus saying, when Judas is gone, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory and God will be glorified because of him. It goes on, we don't need to read this, but it goes back to verse 34, where Jesus says, I'm giving you a new command. And that command is to love one another the same way that I've loved you. And now what's really interesting is that not everybody at the table had the same experience. The 12 disciples all shared in Jesus serving them. They all shared in Jesus washing the feet. They were all part of that. But only Jesus and John and Peter knew that Jesus knew that it was Peter who was going to betray him. Judas was going to betray him. God wants to reveal to each and every one of us how to love in different circumstances like Jesus would. You are going to encounter all kinds of different scenarios in your life where you're going to have to learn to love in that circumstance how Jesus loved. And rarely will it look the same way. But I'll give you this as a hint that it's most likely always the opposite of your first response. It's almost always when your flesh wants to act one way, loving like Jesus loves is going to be the other way. When it would feel really good to point out all the faults, when it would feel really good to say, this person hurt me, when it would feel really good to go find somebody else and say, I just want you to know, like, we need to pray for this person because this is what they've done to me. And that may feel really good to get somebody on your side. But even in those last moments at that dinner table, before Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he chose to continue to walk in love. Unconditional love that says, regardless of how you treat me, regardless of what you've done to me, regardless of what you're going to do to me, I will choose to love no matter what. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.